Good morning and welcome back to the Mindwall podcast or good afternoon or good evening wherever you are in the world and listening to us. Thank you for listening to us. So welcome back. And uh, today is an interesting day because we'll be talking about talking, talking about communication. But just before we jump in, my name is MP Stradom. I'm the host of the Mindwall podcast. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things new and promising innovation-wise and technology-wise that shapes our world, and of course, specifically the mining and natural resources industries. Let me also quickly take the time to thank MineRP, the primary sponsor of the MineRP podcast. MineRP is a global software company specializing in delivering value through digitally connecting mining enterprises. You can check out MineRP's website on www.minerp.com. So talking about talking about stuff, communication is the backbone, not only of society, but certainly it's also the backbone that holds together modern businesses. And our guest today is Chris Potgieter, an industrial communication specialist. He's also managing director at Asbesticum uh, Industrial and Commercial Communications. Welcome to the Mindwall podcast, Christian. Thank you, MP. Thank you for the opportunity to have a, a say in this interesting forum. Uh, I think it's a very uh, interesting uh, platform to to expand uh, what is going on out there. Uh, you know, you, you usually just uh, think about the normal uh, companies doing business in the mining industry, but there's actually quite a lot of other opportunities coming out for other businesses uh, to participate in, in this whole eco- economy. That's right. The uh, I guess the service economy that surrounds mining in general is incredibly big, and in South Africa specifically, you know, as a as a mining country. You can hardly speak to anyone uh, without them having some kind of link to a mine somewhere, I guess. I remember I grew up thinking to myself that I would never, ever have anything to do with mining. And lo and behold, <laughs> that didn't work out well. <laughs> yes, it is It is very interesting to see that uh, smaller towns in our country are totally dependent uh, on, on mining economies. And that uh, yeah. ranges from the pharmacy right through to the doctor and the schools and everybody is dependent on that mine and everybody is providing services and product to that mine, uh, whatever you from a panel beats or whatever. So yeah, they definitely play a hell of a role in our, in our country's economy and create jobs, not only for, for people uh, working in mines, but uh, for guys like you and me, who's, I'm a trained lawyer and never did I also think that I'm going to work in the mining industry, but here I am uh, not doing anything legal at the moment and you as well in the IT yeah. business. So yeah, what a great industry to work in, a lot of opportunities. That brings me to the first question I wanted to ask of you, and that is, as you say, you are a trained lawyer or a whatever you call that, a legal person of background. Um, so how on earth did you, did you end up with a communications business? That is a long story. It's a four, it's almost a twenty-year story now. Um, I'm a trained lawyer, and I and I practiced, and I did all the legal stuff, and worked for corporates. And then one day, I re- I realized that I'm actually an entrepreneur, and I wouldn't do my own thing. But in the legal uh, industry, you know, you you you're confined to working in courts and rules and those type of things. And uh, we started thinking of what what we can do as a business. And um, we started very early with uh, just the when digital communication came out with uh, screens in malls and those type of things. And we tried yeah. our luck at a few businesses and uh, it worked, but not as well as we wanted to. And uh, as the, the story goes, I linked up with an old school friend of mine, and uh, he was a it was a trained trader on the JSE. And uh, we decided, but let's let's see what we can do for the mines. And uh, in mm-hmm. the same year, we we had a request from a, a Lonman Platinum mine in those days, 2008. In those That's days, it. at the Maricana mine, they had a big problem 
in getting information to their workers because they had a notice board with little papers flapping around and they had to replace those things. And they said, yes, can you assist us with a digital solution? No, we knew nothing yeah. about digital solutions then. We, uh, we barely, I think in those days, we had a plasma screen still. But as entrepreneurs, we, uh, we made up a story and we put something together, a proposal. Uh, we didn't have a demo or anything and we sold the, uh, the proposal to them. And uh, they gave us the opportunity to start putting electronic messages at their mind. And, uh, mm -hmm. and we had a product, a very basic product, and it started out. And yes, that's where it all began. And 14 years later, now we are, at, we are over a thousand industrial screens and we're servicing 12 mine groups. Yeah, so that's where it began. All with a need that wasn't there. And uh, I think uh, looking back, we had the guts, but maybe we were stupid as well, but we had the guts to, to start <laughs> something that wasn't there. And especially in an African mining environment where they still uh, have a very old school uh, way of thinking in the mining. So we had to turn everybody around and say, but there is a way to do it more efficient and in a digital format. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. we started in 2008 with the whole thing. And uh, it was a tough road, not just selling the product in there, but to get everybody persuaded that there is a better way than, than going on paper every day. If you talk about communications and that you facilitate communications for, for industrial companies such as mines, what kinds of communications are you uh, are you looking at here? I mean, what's, what's the real business need, mm. I guess, that you're addressing? It started off in 2008 when there was quite a lot of mining accidents in South Africa and they had a, a big problem with, with health and safety and um, then uh, the government was on the backs of the mine bosses and telling them that they, they're creating unsafe areas for the people to work in. So the communication flowing to the workers was basically, well, initially health and safety driven and they had mm -hmm. a lot of health and safety campaigns and posters and things that they had to apply against walls all over the place. So that's where it started by bringing in a television screen um, that can operate in a working environment where they where they actually work underground and placing health and safety information on that screen right and wrong ways who's the safety uh, officer for that shift and all those type of things um, and so so it evolved later on from health and safety to hr later and then to operational issues and 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 through the last 14 years it expanded they, where we are now receiving about 100 instructions a day uh, servicing the mines with with payslip information, with video addresses from from uh, management, and then very specifically operational data coming from service providers, mm. where we can show a, a certain shift, what the earlier shift did on 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 certain production figures, and how the safety uh, safety stats are looking like for a certain shift, and these are all data and information which they are dependent on. Um, for doing their work. And then very excitingly, the last few years, I think the last four or five years, we, we changed the whole thing uh, to a touchscreen uh, where a person can, can retrieve information which is critically necessary for him doing his job from certain databases where it lies. It started very small, very simple with basic communication flowing in a, in a, in a similar right. direction, but now these days it's quite, uh, it's quite tempting. So, so clearly you, you, you've moved from let's call it an electronic version of a poster, uh, into something that is business critical for everyone, both management who want to be able to see, I guess, production uh, details, as you, as you said, but also to the actual worker on the ground that, that feels that they get useful information. Yes. It's not uh, only nice pictures. 
No, for sure. That's uh, like I said. It, obviously, it's, it's a visual medium, so the picture needs to be uh, visually attractive to 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 sure. get the to get the reader focusing on the screen. But we realized that there's a lot of data and a lot of information um, in a, in an operation where it's a lot where there's a large workforce, and then obviously mining with health and safety. But the people getting the information was always the people who had access to the information with laptops and tablets and those type sure. of things. Yeah. But the, the poor worker who's working underground and need information about his payslip or bonuses and, and, and health and safety issues and even social information going through, they never mm. had access to information. Mm. And that's the need that we addressed in the beginning by taking a medium underground where the guy is waiting for three hours to, for a cage to come down sometimes and use that opportunity to communicate operational and critical social information to this person for him to read in a language that he can understand in a medium which he can can see and using people addressing staff which is familiar with them so it's not yeah. the ceo speaking to them it's the shift boss that's speaking to him and that that has proven a model which is working very well uh, with our <laughs> clients so when you do this as a as a service provider of course you provide i understand the infrastructure the communications infrastructure uh, with regards to the, let's call it the, the digital solutions, the software, et cetera, that package and distribute messages, determines how long it should stay on screens, determines who should see mm. it, uh, et cetera. But, uh, but how do you engage with companies to, to keep the information fresh? Who's the typical person at the mine that speaks with, with Asbestica, which mm. is the name of your company? Yes, again, uh, when we started off in, in, in the, the South African mining industry, it was, it, was, it was a hell of a task, getting people to submit communication instructions to us. Because mm -hmm. they soon realized that their communication strategies wasn't working. Basically, what we did is we created a, a new kind of service with the mines to appoint communication officers, not just to print posters and, and, and uh, relay messages from the management to the workers, but actually to do something positive, to mm -hmm. send us an instruction with something to say. And uh, we, we created the need around that by um, appointing a lot of graphic designers who can take that information and make it a visual attractive movie or with some animation types of thing and uh, and place it on screens which people can relate to. So the typical client that we have is the communication department of every large organization. They right. send us uh, raw information through on a daily basis. Like I said, we receive about 100 a day, which we then take and and uh, and. and put graphic design and animation onto it, and then it goes to a publishing department with that instruction to, to publish the information to a certain screen at a certain mine, um, and then very importantly, removing at a certain time. Because uh, that yeah. that's the problem with the old notice board systems, where these little papers are fluttering down and still Valentine's messages from three months old, <laughs> uh, which isn't working. I'm speaking now in, in, in simple terms, but it goes farther than that. Uh, important thing like a, like a safety stat or a production stat can never be old. It needs to be current and it needs to, uh, otherwise it, uh, you know, it carries no water. So that is our typical client. Um, and management from, from most of our clients, they bought into this whole thing where they now on a weekly basis uh, do a video address uh, with the communication officer of that of that mine and addressing his workforce by, via video, uh, which he can play underground at a certain shift. And again, it, it, it works like a charm. It's something that wasn't there before, which we had to create. And it took some time, but uh, for the
the last seven years, I think it is now becoming the norm uh, with most of our clients. And they're spending, well, they, they're renewing our contracts every two years now for the last 10 years. So they certainly see value in the service. Yeah. Oh, this is not me selling my business. It's me talking about a need that wasn't there before, which we were pioneers in creating, and now the need is there. So this is a, is a it's a subject that needs to be developed going forward. Is the messages that and, and the information that is communicated typically done all done in prepackaged format, or do you also facilitate live messages? We do the live messages, but and we'll get to that later on some of the challenges that that we have in the business is the the network infrastructure at South African sure. mines. It is a and not a only South African mines, all oh. over the world. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad to hear that, but because it, it is... A, it's, it's I'm a sad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a material challenge that we have with the clients that we work with in South Africa. Um, yeah. That we, we, we tried the, the live streaming uh, and it works well, but it is dependent on bandwidth. Uh, so yeah. we have to cancel a few other operations at the mine when the CEO wants to address the 20,000 workers live. Uh, and then obviously the mining operators don't like that because then uh, to, to start those processes again may cause a problem. So that's, uh, that, is a, that is a material challenge that we have in, in our business. Uh, and, and it's not a risk that we can control most of the time. Of course, it's in the hands of the mine. Um, the mm -hmm. amount of money which they are willing to spend on infrastructure and data. But I think as equipment and other measuring tools are developing, the need is there for them to, to, to step up and uh, put some money behind the data networks. Um, some of our clients are heavily invested now in Wi-Fi underground, which is a good thing for us because we piggyback onto those things. But there's still a lot of work to do on the mining side to get those systems up to speed. That's right. So. Um... Of course, as you as you said, you know, currency of data is really, really important. Uh, that is how current the data is, whether it's complete, whether it is uh, believable. And um, if you put bad information on, on your communication systems, I guess both the system as well as the, uh, the employer will suffer from it. So my background, as you know, is integrating information from a variety of data sources for mines so that mines can... I guess, act as a unit. Mm. But you must have a lot of that same kind of problem, you know, getting information from multiple sources and in multiple formats, et cetera. How do you deal with that? Yes, MP, that is a, that is a, a very good question. We've worked very hard to put the medium in place uh, so that communication can flow to the right person at the right time effectively at the right place, underground meaning. So the platform is set and, and, and we've proven ourselves through the years that the equipment that we use uh, can withstand all the harsh mining environment areas where they work in. So, so there's sure. nothing wrong with, with the hardware. And now getting the service on the screen is a total different ballgame because, um, as I said, we develop a dashboard where, where the employee can call up different information on a screen, whatever he is on the mine. Um, but now retrieving that information proves to be a challenge on our side because, it's, again, it's a risk that we can't control because the mine appoint various service providers providing services with data and reports and those type of things. And the one need that we've, that we've realized, uh, especially the last year, uh, there's, there's no single source at a mine where we can get information from. Because we go to the mine and say, we have to this display. Um, put, right. your, put, your, put your production figures and your HR and your leave and everything and the medicals, everything onto one screen and, and with a button and we, we retrieve the data from wherever <laughs> it lies. But getting a single source who manage that 
is an impossibility at the moment. We can't find a company in this country who is willing and uh, or offering a service where you can go into a mine and um, like an umbrella type of uh, basis, uh, retrieve information from different sources at a mine and getting it onto a single platform. So at the moment we had to uh, get our own software programmers in and try writing something that we can that, that we can coordinate this whole thing. Um, the biggest challenge is that getting the information from the different sources, uh, they, they're very protective of their data. They don't want to share it. And then uh, sometimes it's not getting to us in the right format. So we have to, to, to work with that. We can't automate certain of the data because they, they, they change it the whole time. And then uh, again, uh, the problem is also lying internally with the mines network representatives who is not giving access to some of the service service providers to the correct networks the whole time. We're sitting with this with this fantastic product. We can get information at the right time at the right place, but retrieving the information from databases uh, is, is is very tough, and uh, it takes a lot of negotiation and and especially your IT type of person working in mine is very protective of his network. Uh, he doesn't want anybody on there. So convincing them also um, of the bigger picture is uh, also quite a big task. All right. You've established the uh, communication protocols, I should say, with, with uh, the communication team at the mine. And you've managed to identify the correct data sources and set up the processes to make sure that the data can flow appropriately, etc. Then what's next? You, you install physical devices. Yes. Do you use the infrastructure, communications infrastructure, networks, etc., provided by the mine, or do you also do that? We manufacture an IP65 standard screen, uh, which we placed uh, underground. Just for those of us who are not in the game, what does that mean? An IP65? IP65 standard screen means that it is an electronic piece of equipment that cannot start a fire from within. Dust proof, it's waterproof, it's damp proof, and it can basically be used in, in those type of areas, uh, except for, for where there's in your coal mines, when there's a fire hazard. But in your gold and your platinum and those type of factories and harsh environments, it will work. So we manufactured this robust type of screen uh, with a safety glass and everything in front. And, and this piece of equipment can then be used underground uh, in, in, in those areas. And then after installation, then we get onto the mines network. On surface level and in remote areas, we usually uh, go uh, for modems where there's no uh, network availability. But first prize is always getting onto the mines network and then accessing the screen there, pushing the data through there, and then monitoring the operation of the screen because we're also responsible for the maintenance of the screen. Uh, right, so you have a service level agreement that makes sure that that device keeps on working. Sure. Our aim is that taking away the communications from the mine that we will manage, and that will mean that we, that we do all the graphic work on the screen, uh, but also ensuring that the screen is, also, is always working. So the mine will mm -hmm. never have to ask the question, is the communication method in place? Is it working? Um, he's paying a single fee for that, and, and, and we are making sure that the right picture is on the right screen at all times. So he can tick mm -hmm. that box always and so that he can depend on his communications. And then, yes, uh, getting onto the, uh, onto the network, and again, that's a hell of a challenge, because uh, especially in the free state and some of the old mines, we're still working on telephone cables and uh, leaky feeders and those mm -hmm. type of things. But luckily on the new mines, uh, and the modern mines like the Anglos and the Royal Buffer Kings and those guys, they quite invested heavily uh, in, the, in the infrastructure and the, then it's easy and it's, sure. a, it's a pleasure to work on those type of networks. That takes care of essentially all of the infrastructure that, that, that one needs to get the, the message to the worker. 
Do you find that there's a lot of uh, of change management that needs to be done, changes in the way that people uh, traditionally used to communicate, used to receive information? You know, it's one thing to to have a safety meeting where maybe a shift supervisor stands up at the beginning of a shift and, and tells me the things that I should pay attention to, uh, which is still a legal requirement. And it's mm. another thing to, to actually take responsibility for reading information ourselves. I mean, co corporate co communications or people working in corporate communications will tell you the biggest frustration is that no one reads their messages. Yes, that is our single biggest uh, uh, enemy in the communication side of the business as well. You need to make sure that what is on the screen is actually relevant to the person who's reading it. And you need to make sure that the person who's looking or who you want to reach is actually going to look at the screen. We, we learned very quickly from the, from the models used in malls and the retail sector uh, right. that people think there's a lot of people looking at screens but there's actually in most cases not a lot of people looking at the screen so we need to right. we needed to, to to adapt to that and uh we started using familiar faces uh which who they know and we started using uh, the method where you schedule a certain uh, a presentation so when a safety meeting is being done the person doing the presentation can actually use the screen and demonstrate what the wrong way and the incorrect way uh, is for an hour and why accidents happen. And then the shock and awe type of strategy which some of the minds use, they show people on the screens what is the result of not following wow. proper procedures, which is also quite quite effective. So yeah, we had to be creative in, 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 in using the, the, the medium in getting the message through to the readers. In communications, you know, marketing communications and so on, it is it's almost accepted that people don't read anymore. They want to look at things. So uh, if you look at the emergence of infographics to communicate, for example, yeah. and videos, do you find that, that the medium and the way that people take in information has changed over the past 14 years? Definitely. And, and especially the type of reader which we have working at a mind, you need to, to, to realize that you're not addressing the management. You're addressing the unschooled or semi-schooled worker uh, who's, who's working uh, down in a month. So you need to keep it simple. Uh, you need mm -hmm. to preferably have audio in his own language. And we've got nine to choose from. And you need to bring in animation and, and make it look interesting so that you can understand the message gets through. But small print and figures and those type of things are not working for, for the regular person who's working at the stops. He needs to see right. one figure, how many tons that he bring out in the earlier shift and when uh, will the mine close with a certain date. So very simple, very robust type of information, but that's the stuff that works. Yeah, I, I remember many years ago, I was uh, in a software development team and we developed safety checklist systems that at that time worked on a, on a PDA. You know, this was mm -hmm. a personal digital assistant. This was be before the, the times of smartphones that we could give to chef supervisors. And it, it seemed so great because all of the information would come up from underground, immediately sync, and everyone would have it. But the thick finger syndrome was a problem, you know. For sure. <laughs> Small screens, the way that the people used the devices just was not conducive to actually mm. practically getting the work done. And in the end, they just went back to the paper models. Mm. So, so that was an interesting challenge that we had to overcome in, in getting information out from underneath the mine very quickly. Now, of course, yours goes mainly the other, uh, the other direction. But what are some of the major challenges that, that you find that, that, that you run into that, uh, that you've got to, the bridges you've got to cross before success <laughs> comes your way? 
Yeah, look, challenges, like I mentioned before, will always be networks. Um, I think apart from, from having an established network, it's, it's also the maintenance of the network. We are pushing hard and we're working very hard to, to get the screen working the whole time. But now you're in the hands of a certain third party company who's not maintaining the network. So now suddenly your screen is becoming almost dormant because the information on it is owned. We program it uh, to, to take certain information off a certain dates, but especially on your touch screen where they are dependent on retrieving information on that screen, especially uh, one of the Anglo sites now using it for work, uh, work requests, which they put in underground for certain parts. Now that screen is now not just a communication tool anymore, it becomes part of the operations now. And he needs to, to, to raise his work request there. And now the, the, the network is off because a third party network, uh, a service supplier is not maintaining the network. So that's a big challenge always. So Large the collaboration more, kind of ecosystem has to, has to work really well. <laughs> yes, yes. The whole idea of communicating to the workforce is a team effort. Uh, mm -hmm. We are just supplying the hardware, but there's a lot of other players that need to, to, to participate in this thing to make the communication effective. And again, it, it sounds like old cliche, but like you said, the communication is king in, in these type of large employer base where you have 20,000 people mm -hmm. and you need to get your information through. It is critical, especially when there's wage negotiations and those type of things going on. Then uh, they make, uh, especially the, the minds make, a, make use of our system quite a lot in getting the correct information to the workers so there's not lies being told of, of uh, exaggerated bonuses and those type of things. Of course, it's then a team effort. You are totally dependent on the other players in your project, like the, like the maintenance guys on the networks, uh, mm. to assist you with this. Now, so does that mean mm. uh, that you don't only communicate, sorry for interrupting there, but yeah, sure. you, you just made me think, you don't only send information to screens, you could also send that, uh, that information to smartphones and to all kinds of other communication devices. For sure. Or is this we not something that you do? Or, or is this part of maybe the future vision for, for, for where this is going? No, for sure. We, are, we, we took hands with the other company in Pretoria now, where we, uh, because we're sitting on, on the, the final product at our offices, mm -hmm. it needs to be distributed now to various screens. Now we have large LED screens at, at entrances and the screens in buses and all those type of places. A screen is a screen. So there's a lot of service providers entering the market now with mobile devices. And they are now uh, having uh, you know mobile apps installed onto those devices. And the same information which we are spreading to our screens, we are spreading and distributing to these devices as well. Because again, uh, you know, it sounds very honorable, but I already made my money when I designed the, the graphics and, and distributing right. to my screens. With a push of a button, I can just as well distribute to all other third-party players in the market as well. At the end of the day, the employee is getting the benefit. Uh, and if the employee is getting the benefit of, of the project, then all the players will get paid at the end of the day because they all add value to the common goal is getting information to the guy on the ground. Sounds really, really interesting and uh, uh, well done, by the way. I mean, oh, I, I always enjoy it when you know smaller companies and not only the the big global corporates <laughs> come <laughs> up with these innovative ideas and actually make a commercial success of it. So I'm going to ask you one last question, and yeah. and then we we've got to land this. Uh, speaking of the commercial uh, uh, success, how how do you work commercially? Is it a, and, and as a service kind of engagement? Clearly, it's not a once-off purchase, uh, so uh, it, it would seem like it might be quite expensive for a mine to go and buy 50, 100 screens. How, how do you help them to buy? That's a tough decision we had to make when we started the business. Um, as entrepreneurs, we obviously, you, you're profit-driven and you want to make a lot of money. But we realized that you can't go into this market 
try to make a million for yourself and then uh, after two years the whole thing falls flat again it was a need that we that we had to address and it's a need that's not going to go away so yeah. we we adapted to that to making sure that we that we in for the long run our oldest client is harmony gold and we've been there for with them for 12 years the success lies in the pricing that we did we come in very cheap well relatively cheap in mining um to make sure that that we become part of the finisher at the mine. So yeah. when, when the budgets and everything is to be reviewed, that we should not be an expense where the mine have to, to consider cancelling the service. And, and we did it right from the beginning in coming with a good price, not only for the hardware as well, but for the service as well. Um, and the value the mine gets for that makes sense. Uh, so that's why the contracts are being renewed the whole time. And, and that's our philosophy still, that we, we're in this for the long run. We're, um, we want to, to make a difference, especially now with a future view. I think the, the country needs to step up with the digital side of communication. There's still a lot of uh, room for growth in South Africa. There's a lot of mines who doesn't have this type of system. I'm not. I'm saying you, need, you should buy our system, but there's a lot of mines where there's nothing happening at the end mm. of the day. And uh, again, the loser in this whole equation is the employee who is not only literally working in the dark, but physically, well, literally as well, They're working in the dark and, and then and then not being able to know what's going on around him and what is going on in the operation. And, and it's difficult for them. It's, it's easy for us sitting here on the surface, um, having access to all the stuff that we need, but the poor guy working on the ground, he comes at a disadvantage the whole time. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think we should change at all, not at existing clients, but all the other smaller mining companies of Africa and, and the world as well. There's a lot of room for improvement still to come. Yes, it was great speaking to you. And uh, we always end the Mind World podcast by asking our guests what they are reading. So here's the question to you. What's on your bedside table? What I'm reading at the moment is a little book by Daniel Strauss. It's called A Billionaire's Thoughts. Um, and teaches you basically to to think out of the box. And while reading it, you soon realize why your business is not making the type of money you want it to. Um, and that's because uh, you've been doing things in a certain way and you're doing it wrong. So yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely something I can recommend for any business owner to start thinking out of the box, uh, not just with the product, the service you deliver, but uh, how you treat your employees and everything. There's, there's always a new way in doing things, which is a better way you think you did it before. Sounds good. So, so we put those books on uh, on a reading list on the website. So do go and check that out on the Mind Warp page on mindrp.com. Uh, Christian, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure having you, and uh, all the best with uh, with the new endeavors. And, and and thank you for for helping to make mines safer. Excellent. Thank you for the invitation, MP. It was nice speaking to you. Mm -hmm.